Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 American Express DraftKings Picks in Preview. Please smash the like button for the video, but not so hard that you damage your screen. I've heard reports of this. Please don't do it that hard. Just do a gentle smash if you need to. In the comment section, give me your favorite play in the $6,000 area. Also, you want to play in the best tournament on DraftKings? Easy. Hit the description of the vid or podcast. Get the link to the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. It's almost full already, so you might want to run and get your spot. Right now, $15 play three max entry. No rake, making it the best tournament on DraftKings. We fill it quickly this week. It's at 2,500 people. It'll probably go up to 3,000 for next week with the farmers. And then we're off to the races once again, trying to get, you know, 6,600 people into a golf event, which we did fill every single week last year uh, once we ramped up to the season. And I guess coming out of COVID, it was the only sport around. So maybe that was a contributing factor. I don't know. Show some support for that. Also, show your support for FantasyNational.com. You're serious about playing on DraftKings or betting? Get a membership at FantasyNational.com. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo for 20% off. Rick Gaiman from RickRunGood.com is on the line. First of the year. This is fun. Let's roll. Yeah, I mean, uh, West Coast Swing. We are getting into, you know, not necessarily this week, but we've, we've got a lot of fun stuff this week, but we're getting into some premier events and it's starting to feel like golf season again, especially as football winds down. We get a bit more of a spotlight here. So I, I love it. I'm stoked about it. I saw you released a LPGA statue because DraftKings is offering that yeah. now. You're going to be playing a lot of LPGA? Uh, no, probably not. But uh, I figured if people were going to, uh, you know, you might as have, might as well have a little bit of data. So it's, it's not behind a paywall or anything. It's on rickrungood.com. You can just go see recent form tournament history. What, what I do think we're seeing Pat is, you know, more Euro tour slates coming more LPGA slate slates coming. The player profiles have uh corn fairy tour logs in them now and champions tour logs in them now. So I would not be surprised to see those slates coming around the corner at some point interesting at fantasy national you we actually have the database for the corn fairy tour as well you can click on the corn fairy feature and go search all those stats if you do want to if DraftKings just all of a sudden starts offering corn fairy stuff then boom you're in the game with the corn fairy tour on fantasynational.com uh, also there is a new european tour show on mayo media network so please subscribe to the channel and go check out the european tour bets and DraftKings picks it was done before the DraftKings slate came out this week but you can kind of glean together who i had told them to talk about the price I'm like if a guy is 200 to one you know he's gonna be like 60 600 bucks on DraftKings. It's not like hard to figure out that way. So watch the European tour show. Go get that some support. Tune in every single week. It'll come out on Monday nights. Let's jump into this. Only two courses. The cut has changed. I, I like this tournament much more already, Rick. Yeah, this was um, <laughs> one of the worst tournaments of the year. I mean, but by the way, it's just like the name changes every single year, which is already annoying enough. Then you had the three rounds and the or the three different courses and the 54 hole cut and a bunch of amateurs. We got rid of the AMs. They're gone. That's great. We're down to two courses, although we got rid of the easy one, La Quinta. That's gone. So it's just going to be the stadium course and the Nicholas course and a much more traditional, if you can call it traditional, two course rotation on the PGA Tour, similar to what they do at the farm. Farmers Insurance Open, and yeah, I'm I'm much more excited about the American Express than I was uh, certainly last year or probably any other year. Well, I have to give a special shout out to my friend Greg, who continues to be like, "Oh, you're you're saying La Quinta wrong, but I don't care. It's going to be La Quinta to me." For the rest of time and you're just gonna have to suck it up and stop getting triggered i'm sorry uh maybe make the course harder and i'll say the name right how about that that's the way that we're gonna play this one but we get shot link at three of the rounds this week that can only make doing DraftKings and live betting much easier yeah, that's right. So we we kind of lose a bit of the edge in like showdown, for example, because you used to always just pile in guys that were on La Quinta and 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 see how it goes because that was significantly the easier course. But yeah, so shot link data on the stadium course, three out of four rounds. So you can kind of take a look after, you know, especially for the guys who are going to play the stadium course on Friday. That's going to be great because you'll get essentially three consecutive rounds of data there if they start on the stadium course on Thursday you'll have one round of obviously no data in there before we go back to having shot link data but yes this is continued improvements uh for this event certainly 
jump into the pricing, John Rahm is out, and he yeah. withdrew after the pricing actually came out. So he was 11-5, so he gone. That leaves Cantlay as the most expensive player at 11-1. Brooks, Finau, and Reed are all in the $10,000 area. Strangely, looking at it, no one's really using Finau, and I found that really surprising because everyone always uses Finau. Uh, yes, he is a very popular uh, fantasy golfer. Uh, I think my my problem with Finau, and it's a bit anecdotal, it's a bit personal to me, is I, I never get him right, Pat. Like I just never get him right. And and I and I'm looking at his results, and I'm trying to find trends. And my, the issue that I have with him is he never really foreshadows when good rounds are coming or when good tournaments are coming. When you think he sets up well for an event, um, you know he'll go out and finish t31 at the Tournament of Champions. That's a field of, of 42. Or, you know, you don't think it's necessarily a good spot for him. He finds a way to finish in the top 10. I just don't think there's a lot of foreshadowing, uh, which makes him a very difficult golfer week over, over over week to try to figure out. So that's my big problem. With well, the biggest thing right now, and it's not like he's going to be completely unowned, but early projections have him around like 11 to 13% ownership, which is incredibly low for him because looking back at even the Tournament of Champions, he was 22%. The Masters, he was 27%. It seems like people always latch on to Tony Finau on draft that if you're going to take a chance on him, which I, I'm kind of like you, it's not that I never get him right. It's just I never play him because I can't figure out what he's doing. But he's always so highly owned. It's like, well, if he busts, then you know, I'm going to have a huge leg up on the field because I don't have him. But this could be a week to go to him. Like him and Brooks are in this weird slot in the $10,000 range because without Rom, everyone's going to go to Cantlay. Reed's yeah. going to be super popular. And we go down to the nines, there's going to be some incredibly chalky players down there. That Finau and Brooks seem like they're going to provide a large amount of leverage on the field. And I just think that Finau, not that he's a better player than Brooks, he's not, we know that, but at the American Express in 2021 for this week, I might want to take Finau over Brooks. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. The fact that Rom was in this field uh, for like 15 minutes, like the news broke 15 minutes after DraftKings dropped the pricing on this. I mean, it really changes the whole dynamic. Now, the fact that your most expensive golfer on the slate's only $11,100, and it's a guy who won like three starts ago and had a top 10 finish the last time he played here, Patrick Cantlay. Yeah, he's going to just suck up a ton of that ownership. And when you start to compare the Kepka versus Finau, it, it is interesting, right? I mean, Kepka certainly uh, has the pedigree, the resume, but is one of the biggest question marks for 2021. Like, you don't know what to expect from him. You certainly don't know what to expect from him this week. Are we going to get another Mayakoba situation where he goes out there, plays two rounds, he's not really in it, misses the cut? Um, Finau, uh, certainly to your point, Pat, not a better golfer. Not a better golfer than Brooks Kepka, but has been more consistent, has the ability to uh, pile up top tens at a rate that was more frequent than Kepka in in 2020 so uh, those guys are definitely in the sandwich I think they are uh, I agree with you the the leverage plays of the week do you so I'm, I'm one of two minds on this I think if I'm gonna go into the 10k range I don't want to fade Cantlay but I'm probably gonna end up fading Cantlay because I know he's gonna be higher owned if he comes ninth I think I can get away with it as long as he doesn't win I think I'm gonna do okay here and then I can build a far more balanced lineup I had a lot of success doing that last week was just avoiding the 10k range or taking one guy I took Neiman at 10-4 it's funny because Fina was 10-5 this week and you can make those lineups work pretty easily if that's your most expensive guy and you don't double up with anyone else in the 10k range you just merely drop into the nines all of a sudden the balance build becomes a whole lot more easy but reed is there don't know what to make of him probably gonna end up fading Cantlay and brooks could you fade all four of these guys and get away with it and start your teams like sungjay scheffler answer and be on your way yeah, I, I think you certainly could. And that's kind of the early builds that I've that I've put together is because, you know, the Wolf, Scheffler, um, Sungjae, like those guys, even going down to answer 9,100, getting back to it, like there's so the, the 9K range to me is so stacked. I mean, it starts with Sungjae at 99, who lost three strokes on approach last week. That's unlikely to happen again. You know, he's gained strokes on approach in seven of his last 10 measured events. It's unlikely he's going to lose that many. Uh, I think he's a pretty good bounce back candidate for someone who was 
fairly popular last week. You might have some some jaded owners who are who are not thrilled about it. And we're going to see the debut of, of Matthew Wolf here in 2021. And, and and I don't know about you, Pat, but Wolf for me has been one of the most difficult guys to model over the course of the last six months because his game is maturing and improving at such a rapid rate. I mean, remember when he won the 3M and then he finished second at the Rocket Mortgage? It was like a year between top tens. That's nuts. We're never going to go a year between top tens for Matthew Wolf again. And he's hard to model. He's hard to figure out. I think the upside is incredible. I think he's a real contender for, for victory this week. I do too. And when we think about like one and dones, uh, no one's going to use Matthew Wolf because there's you're going to hear the overwhelming. And I'm one, the one perpetuating it as well because you can read it in my column. I said it on yesterday's show with Feinberg that 11 of the past 12 winners in the American Express have at least played one round or one of the events in Hawaii before they actually came to the American Express. Obviously, Brooks and Wolf, and there's a few guys in the field who have not done that yet. And even just looking at the early projected ownership from this 9K range, like it's fairly obvious where people are going to go. Matthew Wolf just isn't one of those names. So almost like Finau, you know, he's going to be a single-digit owned guy. And listen... I didn't have a very successful swing season in terms of hitting winners or even that much on DraftKings. The one thing I kept getting right was just use Matthew Wolf over and over. Yeah, he's been phenomenal, right? I mean, in, since since the Rocket Mortgage, I think he has three runner-up finishes. He finished fourth at uh, the PGA Championship. And I don't think people really give him enough credit for his putter. He's a good putter. He can roll the rock in uh, really well. I think we focus a lot on the, the funky swing and how far he hits it. But, you know, you're going to have to make birdies this week. And, and one thing that um, I don't think I've mentioned anywhere this week, you know, without the amateurs, there are going to be a bit tougher pin positions this week. So, so sometimes the scoring in this event gets like 25, 26 under, I think it's still going to be a birdie fest. I think it's going to be a hair harder than what we've seen over the course of the last couple of years with La Quinta gone and the fact that they can put the pins in a bit more difficult positions, but you're still probably looking at like 20 under par winning this thing. And I think his putter can get hot enough to do that. And don't forget, Matthew Wolf, California guy from California. So it's not like he is unfamiliar with a lot of these settings. When you look at how he came second at the Shriners, and then basically after that, his driver really took a turn for the worst. Do you think he's got that figured out? Yeah, I, so so essentially what I've been doing for the last couple of weeks is, you know, these guys have had three, four, five weeks off in some cases from, from competitive golf. And it's, it's a really good opportunity for everybody to get back to their basics, to get back to their baseline. So I've been looking at a lot more longer term form for some of these golfers. It was kind of what, what got me to, you know, Colin Morikawa at the Tournament of Champions, for example, right? He struggled at the end of 2020, didn't hit the ball all that well. The putter that he made bit of, a bit of gains on, uh, at the end of 2020 kind of left him towards the end. So uh, yeah, I kind of reset everybody back. It's a really good opportunity to go to your swing coach, hang out, get right. So I, I think he's going to be uh, just fine moving forward. Yeah, if you want to generate leverage on the field, this 9K range is likely the spot to do it. Maybe even the 8s too, because the 8s just seem incredibly unpopular. But Im, who you mentioned, is 99. Wolf is 97. Scheffler is 95. Fowler, Nah, Answer, and Russell Henley is the rest of the region. So what we're looking at here, on the betting show, I bet Scheffler, and I bet Answer at 22 and 33 to 1. Those numbers are now long gone. I guess you can still get a 30 on Answer, but once Rom withdrew, everything kind of collapsed in the market, especially near the very top i would think that those are going to be the two highest owned guys along with sung jay in the spot so you have wolf coming in super low but then you have ricky and nah why aren't we using nah coming off of a win uh, well, Pat, as you know, it's impossible to win two straight events. Uh, that's what I've been told over the years. And historically, that's true, but it doesn't mean he can't have a good week. Um, I, I think there is a perception of a guy who gets, I don't know what he got, an $1,800 price increase or something like that from, from last week. And now you're, it feels like you're buying at the top. Um, historically, and, and what we've seen from Kevin Knott is he, he wins. Like he's the closer. The, the analogy that I made is, He's a runaway freight train. Like you can't stop the guy. It, it, sometimes it, the direction goes uh, in the right direction. Sometimes it goes backwards and, and he's very volatile. But uh, if we're in the midst of a good one for nah, yeah, I, I would not mind uh, going back to that. And I, I would certainly prefer it over, over Fowler. Over Fowler. So I just looking back at not at this event over the years, uh, it's kind of striking to look at it. He's made the cut in nine of 10 years. 
in this event. Uh, he yeah. has a 17th, 42nd, and 3rd in three of the past four years. It seems like it would be a perfect kind of course for him, almost like the Sony would be, where you hit some fairways, you get your wedges dialed in, make some putts, and you know you can get to minus 25. It's That's the game plan of what you want to do at this course. Eric Patterson pointed this out on Twitter. He's basically producing the show this week with all the information he's <laughs> providing. But he looked at the Coral area, and maybe it's just anecdotal in a sense, but guys that have performed really well at Memorial over the years have won this event, too. I think he was making the case for Cantlay uh, to end up coming through with it, but Rom has won here, Duffner has won here, Lingmurth has, I believe, won and come second at this one, so there is a bit of crossover potentially between those two courses, or at least two events, and I think it does make some sense, only because you do have a Nicholas design, obviously at Mirrorfield Village, and one of the courses here is going to be a Nicholas design, but as I pointed out as it pertains to PGA West, it's not an incredibly difficult course like Mirrorfield Village can be, but you do have to rely on accuracy, and you can make make really big numbers if you get off the fairway which i mean you can shoot 62 you can shoot 78 it's one of those really weird courses uh yeah ask siwoo about that right shot an 87 in the opening was it 87 that he shot in the opening round last year his back his back hurt okay (laughs) it seems to it seems to hurt a lot no i you're i think you're absolutely right it's it's um it's a compelling case to be made are the one thing that I think, and, and, and I was kind of, I was going to go there here with Abraham answer is, you know, a couple of years ago, after a guy missed a cut, he was toxic. No one ever wanted to play him. And it was one of the best leverage points. The, the uh, general public has gotten a, a lot sharper in, in those situations and, and, and has been much more willing to forgive and forget. The one thing where uh, the public has not kind of gotten over this thing yet is the guy who wins the week before. Like I get it. He's probably not going to win this week, but like you could say, pick any guy in the field. He's probably not going to win this week it's still a good spot for him it is a a perception versus reality issue uh that we have from week to week and i don't i don't know if the public has kind of come around on this one yet that would be the like i said the wolf and not leverage point along with fowler if that's the way that you wanted to go like you pick one or two of those guys or even just one at the top then your team is substantially different then if you want to play answer or scheffler or cantley or im or reed one of those guys along with them you, your team's just going to be a whole lot different to start off with although you do have one of the pieces that you do really want at the same time so i'm really trying to wrap my mind it was funny tournament of champions um you know it, it's a no cut event stuff swings wildly i felt really good going into last week at sony i had a really good week but i looked at the board i was like oh here are the guys that i like here are the clear spots i'm having a lot of problems with this field yeah it's interesting you're getting um you're getting a lot of guys who we haven't seen since since the swing season uh there's some guys in the 8k range that i think are interesting and then i look and i'm like oh my god they haven't played competitively for two months like what am i what am i doing here so there's a lot of question marks i think and i think that's going to really create uh some really chalky spots you know you mentioned can't let you mentioned reed uh whether it becomes answer or there's a guy down in the seven thousand dollar range who might be a free space like i, I think you're going to see really distinct highly owned golfers this week because there is so many question marks on the board top 10 t to green at mirfield village on an average per round who are in the field this week at the american express a shout out ep for this one patrick cantley is number one evr number two that's only in four rounds jason duffner number three who's won this event before obviously has won at both courses francesco molinari jamie lovemark scotty scheffler charles schwartzel Kyle Stanley, Rory Sabatini, K.H. Lee, Bjorn Hanan, and Patrick Reed. That's what you're mm. looking at as the, at least for Muirfield Village in this field, on a per-round basis, T to green. Some good names up there. And, like, you have to, Ches Reeve is next on that list, who's played really well at this course. Kevin Na is on that list. He's played really well at this course. Maybe there is something there. Uh, I certainly think there is. You know, you mentioned a name, Francesco Molinari, who... I'm, uh, I, I'm I, sorry, I, I'm using him this week. Okay, I was gonna say I kind of like him this week, and I don't think I've ever said that. I mean, I'm willing to just take like his 2020. As everyone had a weird 2020, his was even stranger. Uh, you know, the guy only played seven times. He played three times, I believe, after the restart. He moved the family to California. It should be all settled in, ready to rock and roll. We saw him gain uh, strokes in all four categories in Houston, which was two starts ago for him. I, I agree. I I think it's a chance. He's he's played well here in the past. Uh, let's see what old Frankie's got. He's down to $7,000 too. Like you don't need, <laughs> A, you don't need to play a ton of him to get way over the field. It's not like he's you know, $10,000 either where, you know, you have to make a critical decision between him and Sungjae. It's like between him and Tom Hoagie or something like that. So or Max Homa or 
Andrew Landry, the defending champ. We'll get down to that region uh, in a little <laughs> bit, you know, to talk about that because Landry really intrigues me for, I mean, for reasons that I think everyone knows at this point. But eight <sighs> K range. This is yeah. where it starts getting really tricky, I think, because you have some good names, and then some names you're like, well, why is this guy 8600 bucks?" And it's your boy, Lonto, which I just can't figure out. But Cameron Champ is 89 Phil, Casey, Lonto, Long, Kazire, Burns, Siwoo, Harmon, Ryan Moore, and course history maven Adam Hadwin at $8,000, who's been, like, god-awful for a while now. The mm-hmm. only one anyone seems to be grabbing, gravitating towards in this spot, like the chalky player from the 8,000s, Sam Burns. He could push like 20% yeah. here. After that, it's going to be like Siwoo. Like, I, I can't deal with how awful Paul Casey makes me feel about my lineups whenever I play him, but if no one's going to use him, he's one of the best players in this field. Like, I'm sorry, Lonto. I like you. You're a nice player and everything. You're not as good as Paul Casey. Uh, okay, so so those two names that that you just hit, Casey and Burns, one hundred percent agree that if we are resetting everyone to long term form, uh, which I think we should for the most part, Paul Casey is the number twenty seven ranked player in the world. He is like by far the most undervalued. I mean, he's he's cheaper than Phil Mickelson. Sorry, Phil. I know you've had a good run here. You're fifty. The Champions Tour is great. Paul Casey is significantly better than you are. Um, so that that right there, I think there's a really good spot for Casey at $8,700. It's going to be tough to watch. The putter is going to be ugly, but hopefully he can stick it up to four feet and, and roll those in. And, and then Sam Burns being chalky, you know, I, I guess I get it, right? I, the, the, the idea that he checks off a lot of boxes, you know, he's got a couple of top seven finishes in the swing season. He was the guy that I was actually referencing that we haven't seen since Houston. That was two months ago. I mean, it's a long time uh, between starts and uh, he's played well here in the past. He's only played here twice. He's got an 18th and a sixth. He can hit the driver very well, uh, or at least he has so far in the 2021 season. So as, as scary as that is, when you start looking around and say, you know, do I want Patton Kazire? Is he going to gain a million strokes around and on the greens again, like he did last week? Is Adam Long going to somehow rekindle that 500 to one magic here? Probably not. So uh, it's, it's such a scary section of pricing that those two names, Casey and Burns, uh, I, I think are the cream of the crop. I like Burns a lot, but I don't want to play a 20% Burns. I just don't think that his yeah. skill level is that much higher than everyone else's. You actually hit on the name that I do like, and it's it's Adam Long. Why not Adam Long? Adam Long, kind of good. Okay, so uh, one thing that that will, and has probably been said already a bunch this week, is like, okay, so Adam Long won this at 500 to 1. Uh, Landry won it at 200 to 1, I think, and those are, what, two of your last three champions. Do you, do you think that that is noise, those are outliers, or that this event uh, hi- historically with a three-course rotation and amateurs just opened up a lot of variance in this, in this thing? I, I think that it's high, high variance for one thing, but I do think that the stadium course in particular gives an especially high lean, and not so much that, like, Rom can't go in because he's awesome or Patrick Reed can't go in because he is also awesome. Like, eventually talent is just going to win out over time, mm-hmm. but... This is one of the very few courses where distance really doesn't matter on the PGA Tour. And very rarely do you see anything like that, where the shorter hitters who hit it down the middle of the fairway, the Ryan Armors of the world, can go compete for a championship here if their putter's hot. Yeah, and, and Long's interesting, right? He's missed he's missed one cut. It was the Sanderson Farms dating back to the 3M Open. That's like 12 or 14 starts ago. Played well in Mayakoba. That's the last time we saw him. We didn't see him play anywhere in Hawaii. Um, he had another top five finish at, at, at Punta Cana earlier in the swing season. So you could probably uh, get me pretty interested in Adam Long. He does make for um, a sneaky solid play in, in this mid $8,000 area. And since you, whatever you, maybe some people don't backlog this in their memory, but like you mentioned with the showdown with the three-course rotation, you always want to be at La Quinta, Greg, <laughs> and just pile up a lot of the guys there. I do think that for showdown purposes, you still want to stack Nicholas courses because there are fewer big scores at that yeah. course. Even if the low scores are probably all right around the same, you're just avoiding some landmines when it comes down to it. 
But someone like Adam Long, I do think that he's going to make the cut this week. I mean, we haven't seen him play yet. Maybe there's a bit of rust he needs to knock off. I don't know. But he fits the kind of mold of the kind of player that can win here. The guy is super accurate off the tee. He hits his irons pretty well. He can get hot with the putter. It's the same thing that Jason Duffner does. Uh, and that's how he ended up winning here. It's the same thing Andrew Landry does. Brian Gay is a former champion here. That's what he ended up doing. And that's how he won. Bill Haas is another one who's won at this course. And that's exactly his game. Hit it in the middle of the fairway. Get hot with your irons and putter go win a tournament and not to say that everyone can't do that but these guys are like hyper accurate off the tee so that really stuck out to me that i had to go dig into that but where the cut line has changed from t after 54 holes to after 36 holes i think at this tournament we really didn't put much emphasis on people who do make the cut and i right. think it's far more valuable obviously obviously it's far more valuable that that goes without saying if it's only going to be 36 holes you get an extra two rounds versus an extra one round but i think that should change your strategy a little bit for this event where I used to just kind of play stars and scrubs at this event and be yep. like, oh, give me all the stars and I'll take three scrubs who just make a bunch of birdies. And that, that might not that, be the best move here now. That is exactly where I was at. You used to take stars and scrubs because you were at least guaranteed three rounds. And if they happen to make the cut, uh, uh, that's great. And if they miss out on 18 holes, it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, I think with the combination of moving this back to 36 holes and the uh, departure of John Rahm in this field, it, it is like I'm being yanked in the direction of a more balanced build, uh, trying to start my lineups in the nines, get six of six through for all that extra value. So I, I 100 percent on board with you, Pat. Uh, the other guy I really like from this range, I was considering an outright bet on him, and I'm still trying to piece together what I want to do. And another player that no one seems to be gravitating towards, and again, blows my mind because Sam Burns is going to be like four times <laughs> as high owned as he is around the same price. It's Cameron Champ. Like, don't we like Cameron Champ at shorter courses? Don't we just like Cameron Champ in general? Isn't he a good player? Yes. So the the narrative around Champ for probably uh, the last three years is that he's a one-trick pony, right? Bomb it off the tee and go find it and see what happens. Uh, he has gotten better in every other category uh, over the past 18 months or so. And and I agree, this is kind of similar to a uh, those old Gary Woodland situations, which by the way, that, yeah. what we'll, happened we'll, to that guy? We'll, 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 get, we'll get to Gary. <laughs> Uh, where, you know, being able, you know, having all of this distance, uh, but being able to dial it back, being able to hit three iron off the tee and get it out there into a really good position and still have wedge or nine iron in and be a bit more accurate with it. Uh, it's valuable, right? Champ at super long courses is one thing champ at, uh, short courses that require accuracy is a bit different. So yes, this is, this is very interesting. He's a bit more volatile, right? He'll miss more cuts, but you know, he finished eighth at Zozo. That was at Sherwood. That's not going to be that different uh from some of the conditions and situations that we see um in in the california desert this week you look at his putting splits and they're really like truly terrible uh once it all kind of comes down to it like lost four and a half at the tournament of champions uh came 31st but gained in all three uh t to green metrics um tj cup lost four shriners lost three and a half u.s open lost six tour championship lost six bmw lost four but the only two times that he's gained strokes putting were his last two events in California. And he's won in California. He won at the Sanderson on Bermuda as well. Slower Bermuda, like we're going to see this week. Maybe he's, remember like for a while with Rom, he won Torrey Pines. And then everyone would take him at all these other tournaments and he'd be fine. But every time that he played in California, he had a top five. I feel like Champ is kind of becoming one of those guys. Yeah, and, and you hear these guys say it all the time, right? I mean, whether it is uh, where they grew up, whether it is just the way that the ball reacts off of certain types of grasses, um, it's a lot easier for them to read in some situations. You know, Bermuda might be, for some guys, a lot easier to read. Maybe he can see the the break a little bit better, and you see better putting stats there. I mean, it's it's really micro, and it's going to be a player-by-player -player basis, but you're starting to see trends for guys that do this. Rom's a great example. Champ, another great example. So uh, while it's kind of hard to wrap your head around, I think there, there's certainly something to it, and every player on the tour will tell you that. So, yeah, though, it's funny that I like the very top of this 8K range and not no, not so much the bottom, although <laughs> the type of player that I've pointed out, the accuracy, irons, putting, yeah. all exists at the bottom of this 8K range. You got Herman, Moore, and Hadwin. I'm probably not going to play any of them. Moore would probably be my preference of all of them, but, I mean, I, I, Brian Herman's just someone, you want to talk about guys I can't get right? Every time I play Brian Herman, he misses the cut, and I only play him like three times a year, and then in every other start, he's actually pretty good. 
Yeah, the the only concern about Brian Harmon is he's getting to a price. So he's eighty one hundred dollars, where you know his ceiling, which might be t21 in most weeks uh it's not really good enough anymore right like it's really close like if he was 72 73 and he gives you t21 you're 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 feeling pretty good about it uh you're right it's it's weird and he's had a lot of good success at this event before he finished third a handful of years ago uh he has four top 21 finishes in his last five years uh, i would prefer him over probably ryan Moore, and then at and still over adam hadman i'm gonna let the course history guys uh roll with adam hadman who's been in the midst of a, a pretty tough stretch of golf and you know we can have the conversation about recent form versus course history and all that stuff but i'll i'll let the course history guys run with run with hadwin this week i listen when it comes down to course history and recent form i'm always going to lean recent form over everything i don't think that course history means nothing but we do know that hadwin shot his 59 at la quinta for one thing that's a course mm-hmm. where he just kind of piled up numbers and that's not in the rotation anymore so that's one factor to consider and i don't ever recall a time where he's been on a run this bad and it's not like people aren't using him that's the big thing if he was one percent owned i'd gamble on it that would be fine right. with me i'll uh, you know what you know what he's very comfortable here he makes every putt at this course let's roll adam hadwin but if he's gonna be like double digit ownership which i'm looking at right now like why in god's name would i do that yeah, his best finish dating back to, I mean, like 12 starts is a T28. That was the CJ Cup. That's a field of 72. That's not even all that impressive. Uh, you're right. It's it's. I think there is something about the course rotation and some guys, you know, with, with less practice time and less uh, uh, practice rounds to get both courses. You got to be a little bit more go with the flow. You got to rely on your skills a little bit. But it's been such a bad stretch of golf and the best course for Hadwin has been removed. Uh, yeah, you, the, the double digits is is. is is wild to me like when we go into the sevens because he's right there on that like edge so you drop from yeah. eights into the sevens i don't love zach johnson but i would much rather play zach johnson for a guy who gives you almost an identical skill set right yeah they're they're you know if you removed their names uh you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between between these guys and you're talking about shorter courses where both both of them should thrive zach johnson's obviously been in a bit better form and it just feels like you know we've seen him contend a couple of times uh in the last year or so and hadwin it's just it's just been a while and and hadwin's not even making weekends which is really going to be detrimental to your to your fantasy lineup so i agree those two guys are very similar uh in in profile but but i think very different in in the actual results but i'm not going to use zach johnson anyway i'm actually going to use eric van roy so the miscut move like we talked about where it doesn't apply to abraham answer who ended up missing the cut people look at his underlying numbers and be like oh he actually played pretty well last week dude couldn't just make a putt but evr also played well he actually played two bad holes at a 36 uh you probably don't want to do that and he does worry me that he makes these big blow-up numbers and pga west isn't like a great course for that but just overall i I was actually shocked that he hits the fairway as often as he does versus the rest of this field i I didn't put him on like sort of an accuracy maven but he actually kind of is yeah and behind uh behind keegan bradley last week who gained the most strokes on approach of anyone to miss the cut since the start of 2018, which is wild to think about. Uh, EVR was second. So he missed the cut and and uh, gained 3.6 to Keegan's 3.8 on approach. So it was the two bad holes. Uh, he lost three strokes putting. He has uh, played very well on the European Tour in some of these bigger events. The DP World Tour Championship, that's when everybody goes over there. That's your final in, in Dubai. He finished 14th there. Finished 6th at the Scottish Open. A handful of starts. I mean, he is a real... Uh, a real big time player. I, I, I'm hoping we see EVR a lot more often over here in PGA Tour events, and he starts to find some success because he's a real uh, gr- great swing, great player. Uh, I, I think he'd be pretty popular if he can start, you know, piling up his his name on the first page of the leaderboard. So I like his price too because it's just expensive enough to keep people off of him. Because if we're going to talk about who is popular in the 7K region, uh, you're going to find Chris Kirk coming off the good week. You're going to find your mm-hmm. boy. Doc Redman, whose price I don't quite understand this week. Uh, Seb Seb Straka going to be pretty popular, it seems. Uh, Cameron Tringali, uh, the king of the stat model, he'll be pretty popular at uh, $7,400. Then you're going to get Steele, maybe some Keegan, maybe some Streelman. Uh, Matthew Neesmith, I don't think that a lot of people are going to go back to him this time around. But those are basically the names where all the ownership is gravitating. Maybe Joel Damon, because people like to play Joel Damon. I just think there's some pretty obvious spots where you can just go the other way if you wanted to. 
Yeah. So, so Doc Redman was the free space that I referenced uh, at the top of the show because I, I could not figure out why he was 7,500. He opened up at like 135 to one on DraftKings Sportsbook. And I think he's been bet down since then, but I, I just, I just couldn't figure it out. I mean, the guy's got three uh, top 10 finishes in like his last nine starts. And this is a, a ball strikers course where you have to be accurate off the tee. And that's what Doc will tell you is, is his strong suit. If he's, you know, he's a couple of good bounces away on a Sunday or rolling a putt or two in from, from hoisting a trophy. So, so then if you're going to pivot, yeah, I, I think that um, that $7,500 range, I don't know what the best pivot is. You know, a lot of people seem to like Aaron wise. I'm not a big Aaron wise guy. Uh, Going back down to Charlie Hoffman, uh, yes. who played well last week, That's what is, I'm that, doing. is that the best pivot? I think so, at 74. But the thing is, he's it, people aren't oblivious to the fact that he played well last week either, and it was yeah. all ball striking, no chipping, no putting. So if he just puts a little bit, he can get away with some regression in those other numbers. This is a course where I kind of like him. I like Hoffman. I like I do like Keegan, and then I think you can go to my main man. I thought he'd be more popular because in the betting market, like his odds are weirdly inflated, but on DraftKings, he's 7,200. Take my main man, Johnny, question marks, Rick. John, uh-huh? Uh, he's been great. The 2021 season has been really good for him. I like the way he's doing it. The, the ball striking it's resulted in, in some good finishes for him. And he's, and he's played well at this event in the past. He had a third place finish uh, three years ago, I believe at this point. Uh, the other guy 7,200 that I think is interesting is this freaking Peter Malnati dude is out of his mind. He's legit out of his mind. The guy's a psycho. Uh, he will make five bogeys in a row, offset them with six birdies. I think he finished um, 11th in DraftKings scoring last week. He was tied for 14th, and he was the highest scoring guy who finished uh, T14 in that event. I mean, he's just... It's 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 hard to watch. Don't don't pull up the shot link and, and try to follow it around. But this dude is not afraid to rattle off birdie streaks. I'll tell you that. So, huh? Neesmith... Might go back to Hudson Swafford, and then we get to the man himself. We kind of talked about him briefly, but uh, you can play Nick Taylor, Rory Sabatini, Brant Snedeker, Max Homa, or Francesco Molinari. Just roll the dice at 2%. I'm doing it. The uh, the unknown entity, right, is is always kind of appealing. And, I, and I'm, I'm willing to give most guys a pass for uh, 2020. I'm willing to set a lot of guys back to long-term form, uh, especially Molinari. And... Um, the un the, the fact that he's he's so unknown it's better than the known entities of a Max Homa of a Nick Taylor of a Rory Sabatini so yeah it's he's going to be super low owned he's got two top twelve finishes here in the last four years uh, Frankie this feels like a really good place for him to start his new twenty twenty one quest kind of you know a blank slate so to speak. Instead of taking Hadwin as a course history guy, you could take either Andrew Landry or Hudson Swafford at one-eighth the ownership and $1,000 cheaper if you wanted to play a course history angle. Yeah, I mean, we can talk. Landry's scary, right? Landry, since that win, hasn't been all that great. We saw him pop up at, at the RSM uh, a couple of starts ago, but he's missed a lot of cuts. Swafford uh, won more recently, right? He won in, I want to say, Bermuda? I think was his he, victory. He, he he won the other loser event that Brian Gay didn't win. So it was other. Oh, Cor- okay. So no, so Brian Gay won Bermuda. Bermuda. So he won Corrales. Yeah, so, <laughs> Corrales, Punta Cana. Okay, right. The other loser event. Yeah, uh, yeah. So so he's at least won uh, a bit more recently. But you're right. I mean, it is uh, a game theory situation to say, okay, one of these guys is going to be a fraction of the ownership, or both these guys are going to be a fraction of the ownership of of someone else, and they're basically the same player or basically have the same course history. So I, from that angle, I certainly agree with it. Um, and let's talk Gary Woodland, because I think I am going to use Woodland this week. The guy was dealing with the torn labrum in his hip. Yeah. He's now had ample time off to actually heal this. And mm-hmm. just talent-wise, we know that he's an excellent player. And if he's right, this price is way too cheap. Yeah, I think there are guys um, There are guys in this field and on tour that I'll be late on, and there, there are guys that I'll be early on. Like, I'll be late on Ricky Fowler. Um, I'll, I'll take a wait-and-see approach on that. I think that uh, of guys you want to try to be early on, Molinari uh, and, and Woodland, I do think, is a guy you'd want to be early on because you're right, Pat. If, if, if it's just the injury and he's right and we start seeing signs of that again you're never going to see a price like this again and and you're you're never going to get an opportunity to take advantage of it so woodland um in contrast to some of these other guys would be a target to be early on 
And I think a lot of that, too. It's not that you don't want to be early on Ricky, but there's no value in being early on Ricky. He's in the $9,000 range. You give me $7,700, $7,000. You know, I'll take a chance with that. It's not building my lineups around these guys. It's adding these guys into lineups I already like. Yeah, exactly right. There's there's not enough uh, juice for the squeeze on, on Ricky Fowler at the moment. I, it's just it's kind of crazy what he's been going through, what his price is, and all that good stuff. I mean, if you remember, uh, how long did it take books to adjust to Jordan Spieth? Like two and a half years. Like it was it was crazy uh, that he hasn't moved. And and I'm not saying Ricky Fowler's at at that point yet where he's where he's way too high but like it, it kind of feels like it so i'm looking in the 7k range i ran the custom stat model you can check out sunday show where i build that out i've adjusted it a little bit since but it's very similar to the one that i built there uh, over the past 24 rounds i'm going to give you some guys who are inside the top 20 of the power rankings that it spit out for what i'm looking at and you tell me if you're in on the stats or you're just completely out number three i'm sure you can guess who this is going to be because he's top five in every stat model every week emiliano grillo uh, I'm actually kind of in on this. Uh, he has gotten, listen, it's, he's on brand, right? The ball striking, the lack of putting, uh, but he has become like sneaky consistent over the past couple of weeks, right? He used to miss a ton of cuts and he is on a pretty good stretch of golf right now where his last missed cut was Houston. And the one before that was the Memorial. So basically like a 12 tournament stretch where he missed one cut, played well at the RSM, played well in Mayakoba. Uh, I would, I actually prefer this more than, more than most weeks. Chris Kirk, 7,600 bucks coming off the second place finish. Is this something to build momentum off of or was him getting his exemption for the entire year? Like, whew, let's take a breather here, Chris. <laughs> Definitely part of that, right? The guy in his last start on the medical exemption um, cashes in and, and finishes. I think he needed like T3 or better. So like it was a pretty small window that he had to go through and he figures it out. I, I'm okay with it. Uh, it's a, it's still a really good price. Uh, hit the ball, hit the hell out of it last week. I mean, he gained nearly five strokes on approach. He putted well and, and, you know, gain strokes around the green, which of course you're going to do, but uh, that approach number I still like. So I, uh, you know, slightly lean positive on Kirk than I do negative. Redmond is fifth in the stats. Keegan is second in the stats. I will be using Keegan. I'll probably end up fading Redmond. I'll see where his ownership starts to level out at. If he stays below 15%, I'll probably end up using him. But if he starts approaching 20, it's going to be a tough sell for me. Uh, just with some of the other options down here. Tringali is number 29 because stats love Tringali. Seb Straka is number 20. Straka scores, but he is so wildly unpredictable with his putter. Yeah, he he actually I've been working on this this new model of trying to kind of predict, you know, uh, round leaders and tournament stuff. And Seb Straka always breaks it because he's so volatile. Like the guy will play one, one and a half rounds every single week. Like he is 2000 Tiger Woods. It seems, I mean, it's, and then, and then he'll go in the opposite direction. He's very difficult to model. Um, I like him and, and roster him a lot in, in showdown situations. You will see me find him, uh, on my betting slip in, in matchups, because I think for one round at a time, he can get absolutely scorching. So I just think you need to understand, uh, what you're getting yourself into with some of these guys. And, and Sepstrock is certainly not a, uh, safe option, but that might not be what you're looking for. Matthew Neesmith is $7,100, seventh in the stats. He has his putting coach back with him this week, too. So I'm going to go back to that well. Russell Knox is eighth. Russell Knox. Russell Knox lost me a bet last week, believe it or not. Uh, I got caught sending uh, Mark Immelman a bottle of wine because I had Russell Knox over Ben Taylor, who I'd never heard of until it came out of Mark's mouth, and I lost that one. Uh, it's been a rough go for Russell. Uh, four missed cuts in his last five measured events, and and the, the good one was a 15th at Houston and a 9th at, at Safeway. So the guy in, the, in measured events in 2021, he's got uh, two top 15s and four missed cuts. That is feast or famine and it's been more famine than feast uh the other one who's inside the top 20 in the 7k range is scott piercy at number 12 uh piercy stays on brand too right uh, he's gonna be he's gonna kind of be a good ball striker he's gonna struggle with the uh with the flat stick but i think he's had a good run around here i don't have his uh his his tournament history handy pat but i'm pretty sure he's played he's at least played this event a lot i think He's played this event a lot. Uh, he's sort of like one of those desert golf type guys. I think he just right. any tournament where the winning score is going to breach into like under minus 20. Piercy will have a good result there at some point. 
Uh, yeah, it's kind of like Pat Perez, right? Like Pat Perez has won this event. He feels like a desert golf kind of guy. Yeah. Although I think Pat Perez won it when it was like five rounds. Five rounds of Bob Hope Classics. Yeah, he's Piercy's made the cut each of the past five starts at the American Express, but he came sixth in 2018. But other than that, there's no finish better than 30th. Yeah, that's right. It's a lot worse than I thought. One top 10 in nine starts. He missed a... Cuts kind of three years in a row there. So yeah, this was this was not as good as I thought it was. That that T six is his is his best finish. Uh, any chance Byun Han An uh, cured his putting woes over over the break? <laughs> uh, unlikely. Uh, which is which is kind of crazy, right? I mean, these guys know they're bad putters. Ben on uh, jokes about it all the time on Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. Uh, Hideki leaves multiple trophies a year uh, off his mantle uh, because he cannot putt. Emiliano Grio, Keegan Bradley, pile them up. I, I don't know what it is that these guys who know this is the worst part of their game cannot find year over year improvements. You know, they're working on it. I don't know if it's just literally their brain can't read these putts. Well, their body cannot. I mean, they're obviously gifted uh, athletes of getting the face to the ball, but they cannot do it with the flat stick. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, what, what happens when these guys get on the green? 6K guys, you know I'm going back to my main man, the Gim Reaper. Probably won't have quite as much as last week because yeah. uh, that's, that's that was my one blind spot. Did not work out too well for me there. I like Norlander at 6,800 bucks. I feel like everyone's now officially off of him, but I saw mm-hmm. a few things that I liked from him last week, and he's incredibly accurate off the tee, and that's what I want here. Yeah, he was a for a couple weeks there in the swing season. He was a a DFS sweetheart, and now we are four missed cuts in a row. So yeah, I imagine you are going to be, um, you know, one of the few guys on him at at sixty eight hundred dollars. Uh, I'd get back in on 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 Doug Gim as well. I'm a sucker for that, and then uh, I'm also always a sucker for Denny McCarthy. You know, he's 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 sixty nine hundred. He limped to the finish line of 2020. And uh, if I'm going to forgive um, a lot of guys who struggled at the end of 2020, I, I have to forgive Denny McCarthy, who's uh, probably the best putter on the planet. He's he's made strides in ball striking since the 3M Open last year. And uh, if you're going to have to roll in a lot of putts to win this thing, why not let you know the best putter on the planet hold your flat stick? I mean, that could be true. And one person we didn't mention in the sevens was Tom Hoagie. So we can kind of throw him into this mix as well. He's $7,300, another high, high scoring type of player, a bit volatile with the putter, but you know, like we've said with a lot of these guys who isn't at this point, but down from that range that I was talking about where Norlander is, Von Taylor is down there. He seems to fit really well. And my guy T dunks just another, he's like the poor man's Webb Simpson. He's going to find the middle of the fairway and some weeks his irons, his, if he could hit his irons like Webb, he'd be like a top 20 player in the world. Unfortunately, he cannot do that, but some weeks he does. Yeah, you could say that for a lot of guys. If they could hit their irons like Webb, they'd be a top twenty player in the world. You know that that is interesting. Uh, Duncan, who we haven't seen since since Maya Coba, right? And he had a top twenty five there. Uh, he seems to be one of these names that a couple of times a year, especially in events like this, he's he's going to pop up on the first page of the leaderboard. And uh, you know, I used to love to go down to Adam Shank in this range. He's sixty seven hundred. He had one of the longer uh, cut streaks on on tour last year. That's gone. He's he's really in the midst of a struggle. So. Uh, uh, the name that I did mention uh, of Pat Perez, um, I think he gained like six strokes putting last week, which is obviously a bit concerning, but going back to a place, he should have plenty of good vibes. Yeah, the other 6K guys that I like, Jim Herman, uh, who struck the shit out of the ball all week and could not yeah. make a putt. Uh, this is kind of a perfect course for him. Hit some fairways. Again, distance isn't going to matter. It's a spot where he can kind of come through. Ryan Armour is just really weird, but he has so many... You would, you're going to lose money. Well, actually, I think in the long term, if you just played Ryan Armour every single week, you would win money because no one ever plays him. And when he plays well, he tends to play really well. If he, if he doesn't, he's going to miss the cut. Yeah, right. You'll, you'll know. You'll know like uh, Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, you'll know exactly what you're getting out of Ryan Palmer for the week. The one name that I, I want to make sure we get to because uh, it was it was brought up to me is is Kramer Hickok. And I don't think I'd, I'd really noticed uh, how well he was playing. His last four or three starts, excuse me, is a, a an eighth in Bermuda. He made the cut in Houston and then he finished 19th last week at the Sony and he was like ninth in strokes gained T to green, which I think if you gave me 150 guesses, I would never have said Kramer Hickok's name. And now he's at a really good, uh, a really good price that can probably open up a lot of options for you. 
He is. Uh, him or the one guy I actually do tend to play a lot, uh, and he actually made the cut last week, had a really bad Sunday. Uh, couldn't really make a putt all week, which, you know, is neither here nor there, but he hits a ton of fairways, good with his irons, is Chris Baker, the birdie maker. He's 6100 bucks. Uh, there, there are some, um, yeah, Chris Baker, the birdie maker. That's good. I like that. The, uh, I also saw Martin trainer was 6,000 and I saw he finally made a cut and I was like, Oh my God, I want to go and see how he played because you know, if he, if he gains strokes on approach, I can, I can find a reason to put this dead men $6,000 player in my lineups. And I went and I looked and, uh, he chipped in like three times. He gained like five and a half strokes around the green and lost five and a half on approach. So unfortunately I could not get a min price player in my lineup. Uh, we always like Jason Duffner. He's won here before. It's been, yeah. a, it's, it's been sort of a struggle for him though. The last time he finished inside the top 20 of an event was Jesus Christ. Yeah, keep scrolling. Memorial 2019. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. And it's a lot of missed cuts. And uh, obviously, he does not make the coverage often. Uh, but when he has made it, when he has either been on PGA Tour Live or whatever, I mean, it is it is still scary when he stands over a four-footer and you have, like, he's going to just jab at it and see what happens. Like, it's, yeah, I think uh, I think it is past for, for Jason Duffner, who's now ranked 349th in the world. Three really is three hundred and forty ninth. Wow. Yeah, that three forty nine. Uh... He had yeah that that Memorial T seven. I mean that is his. He has two top tens in the last two years. So that is what what you know the official world golfing golf rankings look at. So in in a couple of months those are going to drop off. And if he doesn't do anything else, he's going to be like he's going to be even deeper than that. He's going to be like six hundred. Well, being a major champion gets him a special status into a lot of these events, so hopefully yep. he can continue to do that. So I guess the four guys I'm looking at in the 6,000, if I'm going to go that low, Vaughn Taylor, Doug Gim, Norlander, and Jim Herman are going to be my guys. If I really need to go like superstars and scrubs, it would probably be either J.J. Spawn or Chris Baker from the bottom. But that's... I don't know if I need to have one of those builds. Maybe if I really try to jam in like five other guys, there is a little grouping here at the very top of the sixes. And I don't really have a feel for any of these guys, but they're players that I've rostered in the past and I don't hate. Vijagas, Snedeker, and Laird. Mm. I don't, what, what happened to Brant? Brant? Brant used to be my guy. It's, it's tough. It's tough for Brant. He's, he's, um, uh, he's actually someone that I wrote up on. I think he was my fate on golf digest in that article we put together. Maybe no, maybe it was in a DFS article for golf digest, but, um, it's, it's been so bad. I mean, you're talking about guys who don't have a top 15 finish in, in months or a year. Snedeker is one of those guys, the, the short game and, and a lot of the game has completely left him. So yeah, that's unfortunate. Vijegas is interesting because he had a really small sample size, uh, for the 2021 season. And when he played, um, he, he hit the ball. Well, he was just one of the worst putters over the course of, however many rounds you wanted to look at. He didn't have a huge sample size. Uh, but Laird, I think of those three that you named, Pat, is probably my favorite. Um, there's a lot of bad results, but obviously he snaps off and wins Shriners and scores a million, you know, DraftKings points. And he finished 17th at the Tournament of Champions, which I understand is a field of 42, but he was certainly not, like if you would have just ranked these guys, power ranked them, uh, Laird would not have been 17th. So he, he, I think, outperformed the expectations that week, and that's the last time we saw him. Hmm. All right. I think that'll do it. I think, I think we got to everyone that we wanted to talk about. I'm very happy that Francesco Molinari and Gary Woodland are going to summary my lineups this week. And I think you've effectively talked me off of Ricky and on to Kevin Nas by pivot play from up in that region. So thank you. I'm blaming, oh I'm boy. holding you responsible if it goes, goes uh, this poorly. I was going to say, don't, don't thank me yet. Let's wait a couple of days and see how this goes. Cause that might end, might end poorly for both of us. All right. What do you got going on at the site this week? Uh, yeah, I, I made a big update to the tools on rickrungood.com for 2021. Got a bunch more data uh, flowing into those. And then we're going to be pumping out uh, podcasts and on uh, for the First Cut Pod, which is the CBS Sports golf podcast that I host. And we've got a, a great team over there. So just a bunch of content everywhere. And it's all at, you know, Rick Run Good on Twitter is where I tweet it all out. All right. You can follow me at the PME on Twitter. You can get all the stats and information that we're talking about at fantasynational.com slash mayo. Play in the DraftKings Listeners League link. A link is in the description of this video and podcast. Smash the like on your way out. Give me your favorite play in the 6K region. Check out the show from Monday. Check out the show from Sunday. And good luck at the American Express. We got some like real golf starting next week with Tory Pines. All right. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.